Welcome to the What Comes Next podcast, where we speak with former college and pro athletes that have walked away from organized sports, discussing the ups and the downs of transitioning to a more normal life. If you know anyone that would be interested in sharing their story, contact me at crbsandboylu at bluescreativelab.com or head over to at Cortland Blueford on Instagram. Now that the warm-up is done, let's get into the workout. So uh, I guess just, just go through your background, like your name, your hometown, where you played college, or if you, you wanted to play pro, like if you have like some stats or awards, and what, what year you went to, to college and everything, if you can. Sure. So my name is Elijah Bland, uh, born and raised in Hackensack, New Jersey, and I played college basketball at Assumption College. Um, had a an opportunity to play pro that I, that I, I my probably my biggest regret that I didn't um, due to injuries. But um, interesting. Nonetheless, that was that was my my, my journey. I, I played uh, graduated high school year two thousand and played four years at Assumption. Uh, one of those was interrupted by a knee surgery, but um, yeah, had a, had a pretty I mean decent career. I think it's probably safe to say I'm the. I'm the highest 9,000 point scorer in, in <laughs> history. Um, I finished seven points shy of a thousand, so it's it's uh, that's something that stings to this day. But uh, it is what it is. I think ah. I'm still third all time in three pointers made, third all time in three point made attempted out of something like that. So, okay, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that it, you know, college basketball was definitely. Uh, a good time, a, a great experience, and um, you know, basketball was you know, like a hundred percent of uh, of my passion for a while, which has shifted. So we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Oh man, that and what's out of everything that was there, you started off with the seven point shy of a thousand, and it's 2018. <laughs> so it's been know? it's been a while, man. It, I I know that feeling. I know that feeling. 2005, man. I, my my post grad year was 2005. I, I finished up there and. Uh, I will never forget it. I actually was just reminded of that the other day. Um, I was talking to an old uh, coach I used to play against in high school, and he said his sons are going to Stonehill College, and that uh-huh. was the last place I played. Was My very last college Ooh, game was at man. Stonehill. Oh, and man. they brought me right back. I said, yep, I remember that. <laughs> Changed the energy of the whole conversation. <laughs> I needed 33. I finished with 26. I will never forget it. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, that stings. That stings. Yep, yep. Was gun in that game though, for sure. <laughs> were your were your teammates help? Were they feeding you the ball, or how did that how did that work oh, out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We was we were a horrible team that year, so it was like we really had nothing else to play for. We weren't going any further in the, in the tournament or anything, and um, it, it was you know I'd been plagued by a bunch of injuries. I remember that I was just I felt like my body was falling apart at that point, but it was just all about that at that point so right right uh, and i think the other team knew it though so they were really it was intense it was good competition because they were really trying everything they could to stop me from oh so, so you wouldn't get the uh, thousand on them okay yeah, yeah. Okay. i mean playing in pain and and just uh but i mean i vividly remember two threes that rimmed out and, uh, and missed a free throw and oh it's still clear as day to you it sounds like it happened <laughs> I, yesterday I man yep yep <laughs> unreal yeah, man. I mean, we all have those because I still remember a shot, a shot in high school that could have got us to the championship. I still remember <laughs> shots in college where 
Like I should have stepped forward to catch the ball and I would have scored two more points. So it, it sticks with yeah. you. It sticks with you, man. It sticks with you. Yeah. Uh and and I mean that that leads into you said you were you were injured, man. So what was it like in college? Uh you know, did were you allowed to do things on your own time? Were you allowed to heal on your own? Uh, did you feel like pressure or anything? That's a good question. I, I think, well, the, the hardest part for me was not playing. I think going into my, this was going into my sophomore year. Uh, my freshman year, I played a decent amount on and off, um, but it was coming off the bench behind, to me, still one of the best athletes I've ever been around. Um, and Richard EJ, he's now an amazing photographer. Um, but he, my first college game, I played, you know, I was thinking, okay, we're going to, I'm going to get some time. I'm a freshman and, you know, kind of felt like I was in a good position. And he had 39 in our very first game. Wow. And so I said, oh, I'm not getting much time this year. This, <laughs> <laughs> this dude is lights out. So uh, that was in and out. You know, I got a couple opportunities that year. I showed some flashes. And then in that off season, I was really feeling great. I remember like, you know, following some, finding some workouts Kobe Bryant was doing. And I was kind of following that. Okay. You know, six hours a day, six days a week, going hard. And meanwhile, though, I, I at the end of my freshman year, my knee started to kind of bother me a little bit. It was like a basically a gradual tendonitis type of thing, which got worse. Mm, okay. And it turned out to be where it was a partially torn patella tendon. So by the beginning of my sophomore year, I was limited with preseason stuff and was in and out. It was real frustrating. And eventually, I started practicing. Remember, I made one cut. And I just couldn't even push off of my knee. It just like Man. stopped. And I I went walked right out of the gym and went downstairs to the trainers. I said, This is something I, I gotta we gotta go further with this. Like this ain't right. So uh went and got an MRI. They confirmed there was a huge like calcification in there. It was digging away at my knee. Um, very risky surgery for a basketball player, but they said, Well, you can either do this, uh, we can try to rest it. You can't do any kind of cortisone shots or anything like that in that area because it'll rupture it. So you can either try to rest and hope it you can play through it or we do surgery. So I said, well, I've rested a couple weeks at this point. Let me go back to practice and try it again. So I went back. And at that, at that point, adrenaline was just like the risk of not playing was was had me through the roof. Wow. Uh, so I, I, I remember that practice. I, I came out and we were doing these, you know, opening drills and. And I'm flying around, dunking, doing all kinds of stuff and feeling just <laughs> off of adrenaline. And I remember the same thing again. I made one cut and it just broke down again. I said, no, nah, this isn't right. So we got to shut it down. Uh, the doctor told me it was like probably less than a 50% chance of coming back to play. And I said, well, if there's a chance at all, I'm willing to take that chance. Yes, I'm going to get back on the court. Yes, indeed. So we did that, did the surgery, sat out that year. Um had a great team that year. We were, we uh, won the conference, and I was around the team but not playing. So that was even frustrating because I'm like, I'm happy for my teammates, but I can't be on the court. Right. And uh, I just put everything I could into getting back and ended up coming back to play, you know, another really well, yeah, another three years. That last year was, was brutal. But um, <laughs> it was – it was yeah, I mean, it, being hurt is, is – you know, mostly mentally exhausting, and right. I think the biggest part of coming back from something like that is is the mental part of it. it yes. Do you trust yourself again? Do you 
you know, can I do this? And I don't think I ever really regained that trust in my in my knee until probably a couple years after I graduated. Where you weren't even so that, playing that anymore. Tough, yeah, I, w- I mean, through college, I still, I, I can honestly say I never 100% trusted my knee the same way, so I wasn't as explosive. And uh, during that time, though, I mean, I, I was always a decent shooter, but I became, I, I ended up relying on that, and it was safe. Okay. Um, to, to just, you know, if I could do this and I, that, that's it, that ended up being my strong suit. But in hindsight, I know that I didn't really trust myself as much as I should have. Um, it wasn't until maybe I was probably 23, 24 playing in, you know, men's leagues and stuff. And I'm like, I'm doing stuff I should have been doing <laughs> at 21, <laughs> you know, so it's a little late for that, but, uh, yeah, the injury definitely was a, was a challenge, but it, it teaches you a lot about yourself. Right, right. And it sounds like you were already mentally strong, but I think that comes with just being an athlete. The, I'd say the I want to call it abuse, but kind of the the physical, the toughness that you have to have to kind of push yourself to your limit, rest, and mm-hmm. then come back the next day as an athlete and do it again and again and again. Absolutely. And it builds that muscle memory. But, I mean, did you feel obligated yourself to return back, or was it like a... Because a lot of people don't know a scholarship is not four years. They renew it every year. <laughs> exactly. So did you feel pressure behind that to kind of get yourself back so you can get your get your things going back next year? Yes, that that's a that's a great point. And I think a lot, like you said, a lot of people don't realize that, that it's not like, oh, okay, I'm guaranteed here for four years. One of the biggest things that pushed me was because it was so risky of a surgery and there was a question mark as to how I would come back, would I be the same? They, my coach actually recruited a, a transfer, a D1 transfer at my position. And I took that extremely personally. Wow, oh yeah. So I, and I, I'm like, I get it, you know, it's, it's just, I get it. But at the same time, as a competitor, I'm like, oh, that's a slap in the face yes, to me. Yes, it so is. So I, that, that, really motivated me even more to get back to a point where I know I can be not only effective, but needed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was more so for myself, and I think I, I didn't really feel pressure from anyone else to get back uh, as strongly as I did. I, I think I put more pressure on myself than anybody else. Unbelievable, man. Hey, you, you got back yeah. to it. Well, what core values of, uh, have helped you? Like, what do you think helped you during that, during that time and that transition from that during the surgery back onto court and then after after your collegiate career? Um, the, the well, as far as core values, you know, the things you, you even mentioned as as an athlete, you're kind of even to get to that level, you have to have a, a an insane worth work ethic. Um, let me let me back up. I don't think you have to, but most people cannot succeed without an insane work ethic. Correct. Um, there are people who are just naturally gifted and somehow they coast through, you know, even into college or through college, but it's rare. Um, so that I've always, you know, built to have a, a great work ethic to, you know, whether it's working out or, you know, I, I wasn't um, the most naturally gifted ever. So, um you know, I, I feel like I was athletic, but not, you know, 
I wasn't wowing people with lightning speed. You <laughs> right, know, I wasn't right. jump. You know, I mean, I worked right. to get to a certain point. So um, those things helped me, and even after college, to to know that. Uh, I, you know, I, I, you, a, a good example is a lot of us when we transfer to the, the say the corporate world or whatever it is in a job. Um, I think a lot of people aren't really equipped to handle the type of interpersonal things we deal with. And namely, I'm talking about with coaches. I, I remember I was working in a sales job and this, um, I was pretty new, but I was doing well. And the sales director brought, he called a meeting and intentionally included me in this meeting, but it was for like the veteran top salespeople. And he pulled me into this meeting and I'm, so we're sitting there and around this conference table and a lot of, I'm thinking like, I don't have any business being in here. I'm like, I've been here for two weeks, <laughs> but okay. I'm like, if you want to put me with the top dogs, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll ride with it. Um, and he just, it was about performance and, and, you know, people giving the effort and discipline and he ripped into every single person in there, uh, not necessarily individually, but just as a whole. And I remember leaving that office. I was probably 20 years younger, at least than anybody else in the room. And everybody walked out of there looking like they were just demoralized and they couldn't go on with the day. Interesting. Like, I, can't believe he, I can't believe he spoke to us that way and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like, and I went out because I mean, you have coaches yelling in you your face. You get it all the time. I was, okay. Like the man got up, he got fired up. Let's get back to it. Right. And that helped a lot with even dealing with that stuff. I mean, my high school coach was just. Everybody in the county and the state, everybody knew that dude would just light into him all over the gym, everywhere. He would just, that's what he wanted to do was yell, 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 curse, curse, curse. That's what he did. Not, and then, you know, in college, you deal with college too. Right. So um, that, that, that tough skin you develop. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things. But the, the work ethic is number one um, because it's, it's, if I'm putting my mind to something, I know that. There's just no stopping me other than me. Right. I mean, that's that's who puts in. You put in what you you get out what you put in. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's that's very interesting during that sales meeting that you were you were one of the only ones. And I deal with that here uh, just recently working at my current job. We had our general our general manager during the day is is going off on people, and uh, he calls out one young lady. And she runs off crying, and the people are consoling her. And I'm, I'm kind of looking around, like, what, 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 what is going on here? What are we doing? Is this the workplace, or are we? Like, what are we doing right now? But I guess that's right. It's that tough skin. Like we understand, as athletes, coaches, coaches yell all the time. You could dribble off your foot and go out of bounds, and you score twenty points that game. Coach doesn't care. Coach is gonna light into you. And a lot of times, he knows you can handle it. Exactly. So he's setting that example on you. But you, like you said, you've been, once you get to college, you already know that's happening because high school was like that. And then I know during my time growing up in uh, Boys and Girls Club, those coaches were super intense. So they, I was used to them yelling. And my dad was one of the coaches, so he was yelling even more. So you, you get that tough skin, and I feel like, a lot of kids on the team, they built that tough skin as well. Even though they weren't the ones being yelled at, they knew if the top dog is getting yelled at, that's definitely trickling down. Like everybody's right, getting right. yelled at. Man, yeah. 
That's absolutely. That's excellent, man. So what would be your most memorable moment of your athletic career, whether it be high school or college? Uh, well, I think the first, probably the first thing I mentioned is I, I didn't even realize it, <laughs> but it's probably my most memorable is that last game of not scoring uh, enough points to get a thousand. But um, I, I like to think positively. So my, my, my best memory, um, high school or college, I, I would, starting with, with college, um, I remember a, a, there was a stretch of games where, um, I was nicknamed by, I guess it was by the the, the SID at the time, God rest his soul, Steve Morris. Yes. Um, Mark. Yes. Remember Mark? Yes, indeed. Um, he made some comment to a, a reporter from the newspaper, and it was it was it was surrounding me. Getting, I was coming off the bench. This is when they recruited that, that they had the D one transfer. He started the next year, and I started to you know, have a string of games where I was just maximizing the time and. My coach and I weren't really seeing eye to eye, but I would get in and get hot in a hurry. And so he was like, he's heating up quick. I'm like, he's a microwave. <laughs> and that, all of a sudden, the next day in the paper, it is the microwave and all this stuff. And people are saying it in the stands. I'm like, oh, here we go. So, <laughs> but that, I remember that time feeling like, you know, when you, when you, when you start feeling a rhythm and, and the, the confidence goes up. Right. Um, and I remember my coach pulled me into to his office uh, before a game when we had, you know, I'd been coming off the bench and I was averaging like a point a minute or something like that. And he said, uh, let's talk about you starting again. And I, and I remember feeling like I'm kind of good where I am right now. Like I, I feel like I had a, a, a comfort of, of, of being able to do what I do. Um, and it was kind of like, no, this is who you chose. This is what you want to do. Right, Let's right. Keep it going that way. But and I said, I, I'll listen if you absolutely want me to do that. But I'm, I'm kind of good, you know. Use me as I, as I need to. So um, I remember a game at home against Saint Hayes, Saint Anselm, um, and it was just, you know, just one of those you're feeling it in a rhythm. Um, hit a big three to put us up to end up winning the game and. Um, you know, things like that, moments like that, you know, you hear the crowd, your teammates are all into it, right. and, you know, just that stepping up in the moment. Um, there was a big one like that in high school. Um, I remember hit, hitting a, like a fadeaway three in the corner to go into overtime. Uh, <laughs> and that, you know, at the moment, like, you know, in high school, it's, everything is kind of a big deal. Oh, you know, yes. You know, your peers, you're trying to impress everybody. And all oh, stuff. So, yes. That felt good, man. It's 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 stuff like that 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 kind of sticks with you, um, and you know, in any situation. So I I, I cherish those those memories too. And honestly, you know, it was one of the biggest proud one of the proudest memories I had was, um, you know, my my roommate for all, all all through college, James Lambert. You know him. Yes, indeed. Um, James and I, you know, he and our coach, for lack of a better term, they butt heads <laughs> all through college. And I'm sure you can <laughs> you will oh, tell yeah. you stories about this. He, um, there was a time when uh, we both started a game, and this was at UMass Lowell. For some reason, I always play well against UMass Lowell. Um, 
first half, I remember we each, we had like 19 and 18 respectively, each, each of us, in the, in the first half. Oh. And I just remember feeling like that was one of the few moments that we got to play together um, because I, I feel like our team was so good that we should have, we were ranked nationally one year. I mean, it just never really lived up to the potential. Um, but with all of our gunners at the same time, all of our key guys at the same time, we should have been unstoppable. But anyway, we were, we got to play together and just feeling like that with him, it was very rare because otherwise we would just basically do that in pickup games or in practice, uh, being on the team together. But that, that time I remember that game, that first half of that game feeling like we were really in a rhythm. And then, uh, the guy who he was normally playing with or behind, uh, was suspended for the first half of the game, which is most of the reason why James played. Okay. And then once he we go into halftime, we just dominated the first half, and then he the game plan for the second half was to go to uh, I'm not going to name him, but yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, him. no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, did you see what just happened here? And that just deflated the whole like the whole vibe of what was happening. And you all had a rhythm. We did, but that that was nice. That was cool. I remember feeling. I remember us like you know smiling on the court and having a good time and feeling like you know we were really getting it in and. Those are, those are good times to remember. Man. Yeah, once you yeah, get man. in the rhythm, I, I feel like once you're in the rhythm, man, the, the coach can make or break that rhythm. And I try and tell people mm-hmm. all the time when they're watching NBA games and they people are telling me, oh, I don't understand how the people lose. They were up by 30. They were up by 20. And I tell people, basketball is a game of rhythms. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about streaks. So you can be in a rhythm and a coach call a timeout at the wrong time or a coach sub one person out out of the five at the wrong time, and it takes that that fifth person that just got subbed in now has to get on the same page as everyone else. He may not know to pass at this person's chest or at this person's neck or the ball too low. It can throw somebody's shooting rhythm off, and they go from hot to now cold and unsure and not insecure, but uncertain if they want to shoot this shot, so they're going to try and dribble one more time. It can throw a lot of things off. But that's that's up to that coach of making that transition. And it's how did that game end? Like, did it did it go okay that he made that switch? We lost. Ah, ah, <laughs> that's ah. all I remember about that game is we lost. There, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. Yep. And they ended up going to the national championship that year. I think they they lost in the in the national championship game. Man. Yeah. But we had a, we were up I think we were up two at halftime. And then you end up losing. We lost. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's all I remember. I don't even remember. I think I had nineteen in the first half. I think I finished with twenty four. See? So yeah. <laughs> he completely you know, messed that rhythm up. Yep. Yeah. Man. <laughs> So, so yeah, what accomplishments outside of sports, whether during the career or post-career, are you uh, most proud of? You you spoke about the things that you were proud of on the court, but how about off the court? Well, off the court, I mean, my, my what I'm most proud of now is, I mean, recently I, I became a father. My, my son is two. Um, Congratulations. That's been a... Thank you, thank you, man. And it's uh, life is pretty intense these days, but <laughs> it's a blessing, man. I'm, I'm, I can't think of anything I would rather do than, you know, spend time with him and, you know, just watch him grow and develop and learn things and seeing the world through his eyes. Professionally, 
after after college, even during college, actually, I started to uh, get into music. I've been a musician all my life. I started playing piano at five. Um, it was always kind of in the background of school and sports, but it, it got reignited in college. Uh, the teammate, actually, that I had who uh, I mentioned, he, he dropped 39 our first game, and I played. he would kick my butt in practice every day my freshman year. He was a senior. I was a freshman. Uh, he was doing some production and recording, kind of had like a home studio set up in his dorm room. And I was really intrigued by that. I played, but I didn't have anything like that. I'd never done anything like that. Uh, so he started to show me some of the software and things he was doing. And I would play keyboard parts on some of the things he was recording. Uh, eventually I got my own stuff and was just working on making little tracks in my dorm room. Uh, fast forward to maybe like my sophomore, junior year, I, linked up with a local record label they were looking for a producer and i started doing some songwriting and production for local artists in in worcester and uh in doing that i kind of found a voice of my own started writing some songs for myself i was encouraged by an engineer we were working with to record my own stuff and at the time i was like i don't want to do anything you know in the front i want to be behind the scenes right just do that uh but he really kind of encouraged me to to do that and it started to pick up some steam and recorded a couple songs a couple more before i knew it i had an album and i started to really love it so i continued with that um got into the indie soul world and uh my hometown in new jersey is right near new york city so that's kind of my home major market and uh, built some steam with that. Before I knew it, there was a song on the radio on the Michael Bazden show and, uh, you know, nationally syndicated in 65 cities. So wow. oh, this whole internet, I mean, it was thanks to the internet, honestly, MySpace at the time yes. was <laughs> the thing that was popping. And that was where the song grew. I had a song on there and, you know, people would add it to their profiles and it grew and grew and grew. And eventually I'm on national radio. So, uh, that became a, a main thing. Um, and, you know, in that, one of the proudest moments to tie back into my first thing was this past fall, was able to go and do a sold-out concert in Germany. Wow. And bring my son with me. He was not even two at the time and already has a stamp on his passport. But he, he Wow, had, uh, man. Wow. Was able to do that. And, and you know, just to, to share art and to share my gift with the world is, is really right. the greatest blessing, man. So... That's that was a really really cool cool moment. Man, see, I didn't I didn't know it was that deep. Now, I guess full disclosure to to the audience, we went to the same college. I was coming in yes. when you left, and I remember yep. my freshman year, you had a stand selling your CDs, uh, <laughs> and I I remember thinking to myself like, Yo, he made this here on campus, and and I remember the previous year on my visit seeing you playing basketball. So I was familiar with you and James, but I didn't know you had a whole separate talent. In my in my mind at the time, being a freshman, thinking like, oh man, he wasn't that serious about basketball. And yeah. thinking like he wasn't 100% in. And then I find out that transitions into my senior year and I'm working on websites and graphic design and other things. <laughs> and, that's, right. and then I realized, I look back and I go, oh nah, man, he was... He was dedicated to multiple things. Mm-hmm. He had a passion I, I, for multiple I'm, things. I, I appreciate you saying that, man. It's, it's really, 
I think that was one of the things that uh, that I struggled with at that time because I'm, you know, as, in my heart, basketball was a burning passion that I really, really committed myself to. But you also know that I'm I'm more than you know, I mean you're seeing this now. LeBron is I'm more than an athlete, right? Even with the, the, and the whole point of we're we're going to school and being a student athlete, a computer science major. I'm studying things to do things outside of basketball, outside of what I'm doing now. And music happened to be one of those things, but it, it, you know the same type of thing. And I think it's it's really interesting that we share so many things in common with the graphic design with web design things like that and you know we've talked about that previously that it's it's something that's so needed in all kinds of different worlds you can't possibly just be a basketball player right if you have gifts like that right um i started with graphic design accidentally kind of because i had nobody i didn't know anybody i didn't have real resources to pay anybody to support that part of my music so when I started to have to do you know, CD covers and flyers and things like that, I didn't have any, I didn't know who to turn to to do that. Or I'm like, I'm just fresh out of college or even, I don't, I don't have money to right. invest in that. I, so I started learning it myself. Now, and that's... as I started doing my own stuff, other artists were like, Oh, who did just that's nice. Who did that? Well, I did. And then I started doing theirs and small businesses and different things like that. And it grew uh-huh. into its own business now. So that's, I mean, you know as well as anybody. That's a that's a it's an art, man. It's really and it's really um, needed, but it's ever changing, right? Um, and when I I remember uh, as a computer science major at Assumption College at the time, there was a very archaic curriculum surrounding that, um, and I knew very early I did not want to go into programming. And once I got into about my junior year, I was real deep into the major. I said, I can't sit here and do this all like, and and write code and all the time <laughs> for the rest of my life. I, I have, to, I'm, I'm more creative. I just, I, I can't do that. And so, I picked up a minor in music to kind of try to make some sense of what I knew. I've been playing by ear, and I'm a self-taught musician, so I just that helped to make some sense of what I was doing and be able to communicate more with musicians when I was playing in bands and all that stuff. But at the same time, the technology, uh, the, excuse me, the technology side was still supporting that, but it's also needed elsewhere. So some people were like, well, you, like you said, you can't possibly be committed to all of this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a believer. I, I, I do believe that you can't be uh, great at everything. You know, you, you do have to, find time to focus on one thing or another it's like i don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none right but i also know that i've been given certain gifts that it's hard to ignore that right you know, if you're gifted at doing what you're doing and honestly that's a struggle at coming out of school and out of i've been committed so committed to basketball and now i'm shifting into well what do I, what's next right you know and that, that's that's the tough part i think we're there's such a big part of myself that I now have to try to rededicate elsewhere, which I don't know if that's even possible to do that, to, to, to take that void and fill it with something that can't possibly fill that void. And, and you know, there's never going to be another passion like that, but there are other passions that I can focus on. Right. You know? So I, I think coming to terms with that, I still struggle with that. I mean, I, I stopped playing, competitively oh man 
14, 15 years ago now. Like, that's, I still struggle with that. I still have a, like, I still watch basketball and have that itch and that burn that, like, I could, man. I, right, you know I mean? I, right. I, I, oh, man. My mind, in my mind, of course, my body is not, not at there. all right. prepared to do that. Like, right. <laughs> I'm 36 years old. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do what my mind is trying to tell me to do right now. But mentally, it's still there. And that's the... Oh, absolutely. And I, I can't even... You're better than me because I can't even watch basketball. Once I stopped playing, <laughs> I don't even watch it. And I don't, I don't even try and be concerned with it because I know I, I want to... I would I think about going back. And I think about, man, I could still do it, but I know my transition was so difficult that I don't want to be caught in that limbo again. Like, I don't want right. to have to try and find a job or try and find to build a business again and go through the process of, of getting done what I got to get done in between those two. But during the music part, you said that uh, you just wanted to, in Worcester, you just wanted to write music and be behind the scenes. Now, I know for me... I try and explain to my girlfriend and some other people that I don't, I don't want to be out front anymore. Like I want to do stuff behind the scenes. Does that have to do with basketball for you? That's a wow. That's a great point. I don't think I've ever looked at it like that. But I, I think a part of it. At, at that time, I remember feeling like. Oh, I lost you for a second. I'm sorry. Oh no no. Okay. Um, I remember feeling like I, I, I'm so used to being on, you know, when you, you lace them up and, and, and that whistle blows, that ball goes up, you're on, right. and, you know, college, that's, that's 40 minutes of lights on, you're, you're, you're on all the time. I enjoy creating, but I enjoy creating in my own space and right. being able to, to give that to somebody else to watch it shine in a different way. I don't regret doing what I've done, but I still haven't lost that desire to do that. And there's a lot, you know, I even said recently, there's a lot that I do. Most of what I do, a lot of people have no idea that it's connected to me. And I like that, you know, building somebody else's brand and watching them, you know, run with it. And, you know, I I know you can relate to this. I mean, just seeing the the work that you do behind the scenes and, and watching something you created build somebody else's business and, yeah. and help to support that. And it's like, this has nothing to do with my name. It has nothing to do with me, my brand, nothing that. Right. And it's cool. I, I like that. Cause it's not, I, I don't have to own all of that energy. Uh, part of with, with me, I'm a huge, which is kind of, people think this is weird a lot of times with entertainers, but I'm a huge introvert. Like I don't, yes. Yeah. I, 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 I don't enjoy the, the, you know, small talk stuff and, right. and I'm not outwardly outgoing like that. Um, I, I, so a lot of times if, if you're giving so much of yourself and I think this is what we can relate to basketball after a game, for example, the last thing I feel like doing immediately is talking to people and, and, and doing, you know what I mean? I just want to, shut down right let me let me come down from this it's, a, it's, it's such an adrenaline rush and a high and then you come all the way down uh-huh. to uh-huh. okay now i can feel my body again i can feel that injury that i didn't feel a few minutes ago on the court because i was just focused on winning right uh and i i i feel that way still with you know performing it's it's like 
it's exhausting. There's, there's an, ex- there's a draining part of it that you, and people don't necessarily get that. So of course there's a part of it where after the show, you know, pictures, CDs, things like that, all that, you know, all that stuff, it comes with the territory. Right. I, I, I welcome that because it's an exchange of, of energy and an exchange of love that I truly appreciate because I can't do what I do as an independent artist without that type of support. Right. So I know that when people spend their hard-earned money to come and hear some live music and they enjoy themselves and they want to come and take a picture or say something afterwards or you know share a moment, whatever it is, I'm, I'm all there for that. Nine times out of ten after that, I'm by myself going home or going to a hotel or whatever it is like that's what i need to do you know so it's the 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 part of i think basketball really prepared me for dealing with that you know flipping the switch on and off um but part of me choosing to pursue something you know as as an artist not necessarily just behind the scenes was was knowing that there was something that people wanted from me that that people wanted to hear that uh, they were responding to, and if I feel like I can impact someone's life with a song, with a you know a lyric or whatever it is, and I'm and I'm making some kind of positive impact with that, that's part of my calling to do that. You know. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of athletes, performers, they they're definitely introverts because I know I'm one, mm-hmm. and it's not about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they think they don't want to sign autographs or take pictures or what have you. It's not that we don't like you or we, we're not into you or anything of that nature. It's just like we, we need to recharge. And introverts recharge within their own mind, within themselves, and that's yeah. just who we are. But we've spent – so me managing the Ritz-Carlton, I, I tell people when the athletes come through, like a lot of them don't have the social skills because they've spent so much time by themselves working on their craft and either with their one teammate like maybe one of their friends, one of their close friends, or a coach or their father. But they've spent so much introvert time that the social skills may not necessarily be there. So they don't really feel comfortable being out and open and entertaining 100% of the time. And that that kind of plays a part. But uh, I guess guess going into how do you spend your summers – now that uh well during that transition period how do you spend your summers during that off-season time <laughs> that's a, that's another big one that uh i i never I, I i guess i never realized there was a the, 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 how do i say this the year for me was always or for us i should say was always very segmented there's you know preseason season you know immediately postseason and kind of recording then you get into the off season and there's it's a very clear uh structure to it in the real world so to speak and i'm using my air quotes in the in the real world <laughs> there's 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 just no it's just ongoing like other than teachers Nobody has a summer. Like, there's no real, like, people right. work during right. the summer. People work through the summer. They might have them take a vacation with their family a few days, a week, whatever. But other than that, you, you're working. Right. And so I, I realized how much of a, uh, a sacrifice there was to get to a certain point to invest in yourself and your, and your body and 
and train and get to a certain, you know, you have goals for the next season and where you want to be. Uh, but also at the same time, there's a, there's a luxury to that, that that was all I had to do. And that's, that's really, you know, I would work a summer job here and there, but I remember being like, I'm 19, 20, I'll go home for the summer, work, a, I remember my grandfather had a friend who had this uh, construction or like a mason masonry job. Okay. Building foundations for homes and paving things and carrying cinder blocks. And I, I mean, I was like, I'm all about it. I'm moving pallets of cinder blocks, you know, two at a time and curling them as I'm walking and doing all this stuff. I'm feeling like I'm in the best <laughs> shape of my life. Right, right. This is, I mean, that's, that's, that was just some great experience, do some hard labor and, uh, and still be able to work out later in the day. And I'm, I'm realizing now, I, I mean, my, in my, again, in my mind, I'm still that 20 year old <laughs> right. who can eat 15 pancakes and, and do all this stuff. And I'm like, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not the same. No, no, my no, no, no. It's not the same. It's not, I'm 36 years old. I got this dad weight on me. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that anymore. You know, I, I ordered something. I, I think it was like splurge or something to order. My wife was ordering pizza or something that she said, you know, I don't know why you think you need to eat like you're in college. Like, what do you, cause I'm like, I always would order like, you know, two medium pizzas or something. Uh-huh. I'm like, who the heck is eating that? What, who do you think you are? <laughs> she said, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, you eat like a regular human being. I said, you're right. Cause I'm not, I'm not burning calories like that. I'm not, you know, I play, I mean, I, I'm probably, I mean, I'm still in decent shape, but I mean, I'm probably, a good 30 pounds at least more than I was when I played yeah and some of that is just I, I'm not going to be able to do I have to, <laughs> trying to play in a, in a rec league or something and I'm like there's no more above the rim none of that no yeah no, right no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope there'll be a lot of pump fakes and pull up jumpers that's it oh yeah that's not, it. not too much motion man <laughs> just get the shot off just get the shot off that's it that's it. So, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, go, going back to just the, the, um, the adjustment of, of mentally adjusting to regular life. A summer it didn't exist. It was, a, the summer was for a specific purpose. Now it's like, it's just a hotter time of the year to do the same thing. Right. I'm still grinding. I'm still working. I still got to pay bills. I still got to, none of that changes. And, um, that's a big adjustment to not have something to train for specifically that, you know, we even talked about, you know, working out. I, I don't, I still to this day struggle to, to go as hard as I ever did. Right. Cause it's, I mean, for what? Like I'm, I know for what, I know why I know cause I need to be healthy. I know, but I have different concerns now. Right. There's, I'm not trying to compete at a high level and be, I, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm closer to 40 than to 30 at this point. I'm like, I need to worry about my blood pressure. I need to worry about <laughs> things like that. Like, right, you know right. what I mean? Things I've never even thought about. Right. Just take for granted. I can, my metabolism was crazy. I eat, like I said, 15 pancakes and I'm still shredded. Six pack, all that. Uh-huh. So, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> <right> now, <laughs> so, we're going to have that little short stack of three. And, a, and, a, and some and some eggs, uh-huh. and that's it. Okay. Very very <laughs> conscious of what you're eating. You have to be conscious of what you're eating because I'm the same way. Right. I was 185 regardless of what I, what I ate, 
at at Taylor Dining Hall or or wherever I was on campus. I would go off campus, order the order two large pizzas, and I'd eat one and a half. My girlfriend would eat just the half of the second. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And then I stopped, and I still to this day have terrible eating habits in terms of portion size. And I am I am at two fifteen, and I try and get down, and I try and shut it off, but it's like my mind just relapsed back, and I'm just portion size, man. I can't. Con- I don't know what it is. It's a terrible habit. Oh man, you're not alone, bro. You're terrible alone. habit. Did you feel like? Uh, did you have anybody help you during that transition? Was there? Was there like, a, maybe your parents or a friend that? Maybe the guy that, that graduated ahead of you, you said you were a freshman, he was a senior, you ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. So to, I guess it's twofold. Was there anyone that helped you? And then was there anyone you were surprised that didn't help you? Mm, that's a great question. My, my parents were absolutely supportive no matter what, and they always have been. So I think what helped a lot with that transition was knowing that, not that I wanted to have them to fall back on, but I knew that. I did have them, and and there's a stubborn pride that I held on to, and I didn't want to go back home. I didn't want to, you know, but I'm like, that's there. Let me go back home and figure out what I'm going to do. I remember I started uh, working in a music store and at Guitar Center because I wanted to be around music and learn about things I didn't know, and that was a good way to do it. It was a good way to get discount on gear, built up my (laughs) studio and all that stuff. So, I mean, it was a very... I didn't use my degree at all immediately after college. Right. Um, ended up working at a at a boys and girls club. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I was one of those intense coaches and running the gym. I started a, a recording studio in that boys and girls club. Um, and but my, my my parents would were always the constant as far as being very supportive, uh, encouraging. Um, most of the time you hear stories about people who want to go into an unconventional career, so to speak, whether it's an artistic thing, a creative thing. I mean, now it's more common, but at the time, I mean, it was still, you go to school, you graduate, you get a job in your field, you work nine to five every day and that's what you do. That's it. And so I remember telling my grandfather that I was, uh, starting a business in graphic design and he said he just looked at me like what is that what i don't even this is a man who you know had three four jobs and laid bricks with his hands and right right was just you know he's I, what, what do you what do you mean you were okay computers I, is that okay and he knew my, my dad was in the technology field and uh but he had a more conventional structured kind of career um with me i'm they're, they're like music graphic design what okay well when are you going to work like what I said no that's what I do like no 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 but but so like when do you get off work I don't get off work I'm working all the time yeah (laughs) it's non-stop it's non-stop as an entrepreneur that's 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 the hard part but at the same time I need to eat I need to have bills paid so you know I'm going to go and and do the responsible thing and get a job and and try to build from that and I I struggled to find where that was Uh, you know the, the teammate I mentioned he Went into a, in a, a career in his field, uh, ended up kind of building outside of that. You know, I think I've always been a risk taker and I've made a lot of mistakes in doing that and I've struggled in doing that. Where, you know, the whole journey of an entrepreneur, of an independent artist is not pretty. 
but people glorify it because it's something that they look to as, oh, that's so cool. I mean, I'm on st- if I'm on stage for an hour or two in a night, you better believe there's a there's probably months before that of things that late that lead up to that moment, right? That are ups and downs and struggles and and all these different things. I mean, it's it's a tough life. Right. So it, you know, coming out of college, I didn't really have anybody who had been through it in the same way. And I think this is why I, I really think what you're doing with this podcast is so important for student athletes to know, especially in this age of entrepreneurship, because there's a lot of kids that are coming out of school that don't want to go into a conventional nine to five job. Right. They have an idea, they have a concept, you know, they want to build a business or start a, an app or whatever it is. And they have people like you to look to, to know that not only have, have, is he doing what I want to do, but you're not just some tech geek that has only been doing that. Right. You were balling out at Assumption College. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I, I remember, and that's why it was really good to see people coming behind. I remember you mentioned me and James being there. We got there. We were two of ten African-American students on that campus. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. Ten. And so when you got there, it was even, I mean, even generally speaking, it was still really not diverse at all correct but compared to when we got there it was like they it was like, oh we're making this huge diversity push and there were all these people coming in and, and it was like now we have you know i don't know maybe close to 100 students <laughs> i'm like wow okay and, and we're, people we're, it wasn't that long ago it, this is nah, this man. is after this is in the 2000s bro i i was i mean i i i, I will Full disclosure, I have a very uh, and I have a very strained relationship with Assumption College, and and the reason, and that's mostly my choice. I was there was a, a situation I was in there at that uh, my last year there. I was called the N word to my face by a student athlete. Interesting. And this situation I brought it to the president of the school at the time who I respected greatly we had a good relationship he passed it along to a dean of students at the time and I feel like that situation was so mishandled it was basically swept under the rug yep and I said well at that point that really changed how I felt about my alma mater and I had already graduated at that point I was and I, I didn't that really left a really bad taste in my mouth um, but a couple times I had gone back, I'd done, you know, you mentioned I even performed there and, and, and went back a couple times and it made me proud to see people, not only just, you know, basketball players coming, but to see you, to see you thriving and, and doing and leading a team and, you know, going back even later and seeing your name up on that banner and like that, those things are, are really it, it helps to know that like this just did not die with us leaving, you know. Right. Um, it, there was a there's a greater purpose, and I, so I, I don't have any kind of like any bitterness or anything like that about it. I'm thankful for that experience because it really helps you prepare for the real world. That yes. stuff. I don't have a problem being in those situations now because I literally remember that our, James and I we were our first day on campus. We're walking to get something to eat or whatever, and I remember parents driving by, dropping their kids off. And just staring as they drove by. That's like, powerful. Who are these two? Why? That's powerful. I mean, 
you know, all of that. We were just, we were two of ten. And I think eight of the ten were athletes. So that That's <laughs> powerful, man. I yeah. talk about my first, uh, my, it wasn't, it wasn't my first day, but it was prior to Midnight Madness. Uh, so it was before people knew I was playing basketball besides my roommates. And uh, I was, I was living up on the hill and my roommates were cool and people in that pod were pretty cool with me. But I remember several times walking from there to Taylor Dining Hall, which is the complete end of campus for those that aren't familiar with Assumption and people kind of avoiding the same path or walking away or people not wanting to say hi that I had class with that I remember sitting next to in, in classes. Wow. And, uh, and I, I remember taking that from that day on midnight madness happened and everybody wanted to be friends. And it was like, oh, right, right. for me, <laughs> right. I knew right then and there, okay, my dad wasn't joking. This is a completely different world. I don't need yeah. to get caught up in this. And I just focused on yeah. basketball. Uh, but was there anybody that didn't support you that you thought would have? And you don't have to say their name. Um, you don't have to say their name. No, I, I, I can't honestly. Well, I, going back to assumption, there were people. This and actually, it's not even really tied into the the, the career thing or even baskets. It's, it's a lot of what we're even talking about now. I, I didn't. I'm glad we're having this conversation too. This, there are a couple people who are really big supporters of the basketball program. Yes. And while you're playing, you're, you're great to them. Yes. There's all this, and I'm sure you can see the faces of the specific people I'm talking I'm about. I'm looking right at them you in know, my mind. Old, old, old alumni, you know, old alumni, they're at every practice, they're at every game, they're always around the team. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, all that stuff. Right. Offering you rise. To, I mean, this is the part of this whole NCAA thing, which I believe, I mean, this is another conversation. A but whole different topic, I wholeheartedly man. <laughs> believe, wholeheartedly believe these kids need to get paid. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Those same people, I remember going back to that campus uh, after I was done, and that was probably, like, it had to be your freshman year, maybe even your sophomore year. And that same person that was at every, sitting up in the bleachers at the top corner at every practice walked past me like I didn't exist. Jeez, man. Wow. wow. And I'm like, and this was after we had, I remember we, we had a conversation too, and he was saying, you know, he was part of the, you know, Boosters Club and alumni and all this stuff and about giving money. And I said, after that incident, I'm not giving a dime to this school. Mm-hmm. That's and amazing, man. He, That's unreal. He shut completely down. And yeah. I said, okay, I see what this is. And, I, and there were people at the school who, again, during my time there, they're all about it. You're a hero. You're all of this. You're, you, you know, they, they co- shut down completely. Oh, yeah. And you see people's true colors. So I, to me, honestly, I, I, it's been so long, but even shortly after that, I feel like I'm glad that I was able to let that go and keep it where it was. And like you said, you were able to focus on basketball, know what it is. Um, I'm not shutting the door. I mean, I have good friends of all races from that school. I don't, I'm not shutting the door on positivity, but I am going to be mindful of what what is also out there. Right. And to me, those people don't exist anymore. I just, I don't have a reason to think about them. I don't, I just, I, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm focusing I, on what's in front of me. I can definitely attest to that. I, those were, I know that was my, my big thing when I graduated was during games, it would be before games. I used to walk around the gym, shake hands, say hi to everyone. I'm the, I was a, 
we grew up playing blacktop ball, so it wasn't like we needed to pre- prepare too much before a game. I mean, we just going out and hoop. That's what we we go out, we hoop, right, right. <laughs> and then it's it's done. So, but me being an introvert, but I understood the business behind it. So I was saying hi to, you know, brother Armin, brother like everyone that was involved yep. at that school. And I, and that was why this is part of my transition and why I wanted to start the podcast because I remember my head coach at the time trying to push me to get a job after I went through so much for this man and then the alumni not being able to offer me a job after they told me like, oh yeah, I own this marketing company and I got this and I got that and we have so many opportunities for you, but you'll probably play pro, so don't worry about it. We'll, we got you if you need time in between. And those doors just not being open, so that that was definitely a thing for wow. me. Uh, and I guess last but not least, man, where can people find you? What websites can they find you at? What social media accounts? Where can we get more more of you? Uh, my everything for my social media is uh, Elijah Bland, E L I J A H B L A N D. Um, you can find that on Instagram at Elijah Bland, Twitter, uh, Facebook is, is MR Elijah Bland, Mr. Elijah Bland. Uh, but my website's ElijahBland.com. Um, that's kind of the hub for all things, uh, with me. Um, and you know, my company is Mojo Visual. That's the graphic design and branding business. Um, so that's connected to, to those platforms as well. But, um, I'm as much as an introvert as I am, I'm very active on social media. At least I try to be, um, <laughs> when I get quiet, I get busy. So that's, that means I'm, I'm kind of, you know, working on something or, you know, focusing on the family or whatever it is. But, uh, I, I encourage people to reach out and connect. And if there's anything that I can do to, you know, to help somebody, to inspire somebody to, you know, extend this conversation, I'm, I'm more than willing to do it. I appreciate that, man. Cause as athletes, you know, we got, we have that ego, but it's yep. definitely it's definitely needed not to feel alone, man. So again, I appreciate your time. You've been with us for a whole hour. I I appreciate it, and hopefully we get some people that reach out to you. That's my pleasure, man. And thank you again for this platform and 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 for doing what you're doing, man. I'm proud of you. Hey, I appreciate that coming from another someone that's ahead of me. You set the ground definitely at assumption. I mean, had I not seen you and James, I definitely wouldn't have went. So I, you all <laughs> you all set that ground. That's where that's where it all began, man. So, hey, have a wonderful day and a lot, brother. continue success, man. And that does it for today's workout. So thank you for joining the What Comes Next podcast. If you know any ex-college or ex-professional athletes that want to get on our show and share their story, please feel free to have them email us at crbsandboylu at bluescreativelab.com or contact me directly on Instagram at Cortland Bluford. I look forward to sharing the next workout with you. 